just asking for a friend, we're tackling some, some difficult questions that, that we may have and maybe are embarrassed to ask ourselves. And so, you know, my friend is wondering, is it okay to try to find a date in the DMV? That was pretty sad. Um, <laughs> um, and so last week we looked at how far is too far. And essentially, the, the, the story of the lost sons, we call it the prodigal son, but it's the story of the lost son, says that if you're still breathing, you're not too far gone. God can forgive anything. And today we're going to look at this question of, is it okay to doubt God? Um, in fact, I was uh, uh, reading something that uh, another believer had written a little while ago and wanted to read that to you. I think I have some slides for it. Um, can you f still follow God? Can you follow God and still have doubts? So this is what this other believer said. He said, "I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. What does God know? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long, and every morning brings me pain. All right. What, what if I wrote those words a week ago? Would that be okay? As a pastor, to even have doubts? And I didn't write those words. Those are from Psalm chapter 74. And... Um, There are psalms like that. Not, not only is this, Asaph wrote this, not only did someone write this and it's in the Bible, but they used to sing this. Jews even today perhaps have put this to music. This is one of their songs. Like, everybody, come to church, let's sing this worship song. What does God know? <laughs> Look at those wicked people. They're having lots of fun and I'm not. You know, I get up every morning and I'm in pain. Like, what kind of a... I, I wouldn't be sung like that. I'd have to be... Oh, Gregorian chant, or something sad. Um, you know, we doubt for a lot of reasons, and there's other psalms like it. The most famous one is Psalm 22, which starts like this, God, and I, this is a different translation just to kind of, God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away, so far from my cries of anguish? I cry out in the day, and you don't listen, or at night, but I still find no rest. In fact, that's the most famous psalm about doubt because it is the psalm that Jesus quotes on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And um, is, is doubt okay? I think this is a counterintuitive, I think this is a surprise for a lot of people that as a pastor in church, I'm saying doubt is good. And, and we'll look at why, but there's lots of reasons we doubt. We have, there are questions we can't answer. And, and you can ask me, but I won't, I won't know either. And there's situations that don't seem fair and hurts that you can't resolve. And so what do you do with your doubts? And I think every doubt comes down to doubting the character of God. The doubts we're talking about. I mean, you can doubt yourself. You know, and, Here's the thing about faith. Our, our world talks about faith a lot. Faith is a popular thing to talk about. You won't get in trouble if you talk about faith, as long as it's in general terms like that. Because you need to have faith in yourself, right? And you need to have faith in whatever. 
I don't think many people have faith in the system, whatever system they're talking about. People don't have faith in politics. But, but there's, there's people that people talk about having faith in all sorts of things. Your faith is only as good as what you have faith in. One of my pet peeves, I have a lot of pet peeves if you've listened to me for a while, but I watch movies and, I, and probably my family's pet peeves is when I talk while watching movies. But I'll watch movies and the hero, you know, the, the hero will say to the little kid, he's like, don't worry, I'll get your mom back and everything will be okay. And I'll think, like, if this was real life, he doesn't know that. Like, he could very well die. The mom could be dead already. Like, you're lying to this kid. You're giving him false. But, of course, he read the script, so he knows everything will be okay, and he can tell him that. But, but right, that's, you know, faith in yourself, and that, that doesn't always work. Sometimes you can do the absolute best you possibly can and fail. And faith in yourself can be misplaced. I'm not saying you should go around thinking you're a worm and can't do anything and you know, I coach soccer, and, and it's, it's amazing how there are kids that I'm like, there was a kid, in, and I'm going to, we have a, our, our party this week, so I tell, say something about every kid, and this particular kid, I looked at her in the first week, I'm like, she's small, but she's also timid, <laughs> and this is going to be a rough year for her, and by the end of the season, and even in the, somewhere toward the middle of the season, the, 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 second, the, one, the second to last week of the season, she's coming off the field. She's bleeding, okay? And this isn't football where everybody's bleeding. This is soccer. And this little girl who's like one of the smallest ones on the team is bleeding, and, and, and she is so incredibly tough. And, and she, she just, just totally turned around. Wasn't that timid girl anymore and just went after it and... And uh, so I, I'm not saying you shouldn't, like, do that and, and believe in yourself and have some confidence, but ultimately, our faith needs to rest in someone more powerful than ourselves because we don't really have that much power or control over hardly anything. And so having that faith in God, and, and so when we're talking about lack of faith today, it really is calling into question an attribute of God. In fact, one of the questions I want to leave you with at the end, but you can think about it now, is if you're doubting right now, your faith or whatever, what is it about God that you're doubting? Are you doubting the existence of God? And most people who doubt the existence of God, it's because they doubt one of these other character qualities. Either he's not powerful enough and he's way far away, in which case he might as well not exist, or maybe he's not loving and he's not good, in which case it'd be better if he didn't exist, right? Or, or maybe he's not fair or maybe he's not smart. And he just doesn't know what's going on. And, and, but, but what is it about God that you are doubting? And, and just kind of figuring that out. Um, we're going to look at the story of a man called Abraham. Abraham is called the father of faith. And so pretty, pretty important when it comes to faith. And here's the summary of Abraham's life in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham. As we go, we're going to look in the Old Testament, and he's called Abram. That's because at some point, Abram and Sarai get renamed by God to Abraham and Sarah. They're all the same people, so don't get confused. Abram, Abraham, Sarai, Sarah, same people. So, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. This is crazy. God, in, in Genesis chapter 12, says to Abraham, I want you to leave your father and mother and everything comfortable and everything you know and just go somewhere. This is like... Bef this is not the wild, wild west. This is the wild, wild Middle East. 
okay? Like the, the, the protection and safety you had was in a community of people, all right? Because pretty much there was no UN, not that the UN does anything anyway, but, you know, there was no, there was no laws, national laws or something that would, you know, I mean, if you went out on your own, you were on your own and people were bad and they could just kill you and take your stuff, especially if you had nice stuff like Abraham. And so this took faith. And so he left. And if you would have interviewed Abraham, Abraham, where are you going? He's saying, God promised me a land. Oh, yeah, where? I don't know. And how long ago did he promise you land? Well, that was about a year ago now. And uh, are you there yet? I don't know. <laughs> well, how will you know when you're there? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll let me know. I mean, so often we read the Bible and we forget. Like chapter 12 to chapter 15 is 10 years we just think it's like it's, it's, it's 10 minutes, maybe. You know, that's how long it takes us to read it. And there's all this, like, what is going on? We don't know. And so he does it, though. He does it. And by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And he lived in tents, as did Isaac, his son, Jacob, his grandson, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, that's a nice way of talking to someone who's 90. <laughs> Next time you see a 90-year-old, we have a couple 90-year-olds who sit over there in the second service, right over there, and uh, you can just go up to them and say, you know, if you're describing them, you say, well, how old is, is she? Well, she's past childbearing age, you know, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he is good as dead. In other words, you're not, you're not having kids when you're 100. You're as good as dead. Um, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand in the seashore. And so here's that. This is the story in Hebrews 11. It's a summary of what God did in Abraham's life. And it just sounds like just this guy and, and this woman he was married to, I mean, they were just awesome. They were just so godly and so spiritual, had so much faith the whole time. But that's not actually how the story went. This is the summary literally 2,000 years later, over 2,000 years later. When we go back and read what really happened as it happened, it's really a different story about faith, and I think it's one that will encourage and help us. Here's what it says in Genesis 15 too, But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? So God says, You will have a kid. And Abraham, 75 and Sarah's 65. And so they're like, yeah, that's what a miracle that would be. But now it's 10 years later, and he hasn't heard from God in 10 years. And now he's hearing from God, and God's like, hey, remember that promise? Little pep talk, it's coming. And Abram's like, really? You know, Abraham said, now you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. He's like, is, is that what you want? Is that what you meant? Did you mean like through me as in actually through my servant you're going to make a prosperous nation? Because that's, that's not how I took it. Um, then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who has your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteous. God made a promise. Nothing happened for 10 years. God gave him a little pep talk. And he's like, that's good enough for me. 
I believe. Even though now I'm 85. Now it's even a longer shot, but I believe God. And, and so a little bit of doubt, but went away pretty quickly. But then what happens next is they try to get creative and help God out. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And so she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. It's interesting how she talks about what the Lord is doing and what she's going to do. And I do think sometimes we let God off the hook. We say things like, well, God didn't give you cancer. God allowed you to have cancer. Same thing. Same thing. He's all powerful. Like, he, he, He's in control. And so, I, I think she's actually right. It is the Lord's fault that she doesn't have kids. The Lord has kept her from having children. And in the end, in Hebrews 11, we see why. And we're like, because as amazing as it would be to have a kid at 65, a kid at 90, oh my goodness, that's amazing. And those 25 years of wrestling with God and of doubt, it made her faith and his faith even stronger in the end. And so in Hebrews 11, 2,000 years later, we're like, yeah, yeah, the Lord kept you from having children. What a good idea. But at this point, she's like, God, she's doubting either the goodness of God or the ability of God and decides she needs to take matters in her own hands. Go sleep with my slave, perhaps I, she doesn't say, perhaps God can build the family that He's promised. No, God's not building the family anymore. We've, we've tried God's plan. Plan A hasn't worked. We're doing plan B. We're doing my plan. I can build a family through her. And then Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So for Abram, I'm, you know, same guy. So I took this for a long time, and this last week I was thinking about this, and I really kind of don't flip-flopped on what I've always believed about Abram. You know, throwing Abram under the bus, typical guy, huh? <laughs> Thinking below the neck, right? Like my wife says, hey, have sex with my attractive, you know, servant, Hagar from Egypt, and he's like, ooh, yeah. I don't think that's what was going on for two reasons. Number one, Abram was a godly man. Number two, maybe even more importantly, he's 85. There is a point where men's raging hormones stop raging so much, okay? And I think it's before 85, or at least by 85, all right? You know, and, and so Abram is not this young buck who's like, oh, man, yeah, she looks hot. I think, I think he is, is just like Sarai. I think he is saying, you're right. We've tried it God's way, and he said it would be my flesh and blood. He didn't say it would be yours, Sarah. Maybe this is God's way. And we know that it's not, it's, it disobeys what God commands, but you know what? Maybe we just bend the rules a little bit here, get a little creative so that we can help God out, and ultimately things will be better. Do you think that works out? You know, and it doesn't work out in our own lives either. So often we do that with our own lives. We say, well, technically it would be wrong to lie, 
but I don't think my kid is ready for the truth. And so I'm not going to tell them the truth yet. And I think that'll be better in the long run, and they'll understand later. And, or, or, or maybe my, my spouse won't understand, and so I'm going to lie to that person. Or maybe my boss won't understand, so I'm going to lie. Or maybe, you know what? I mean, financially, we just can't survive unless we live together, and I know we're not married, or, or, or you know, whatever it might be. There's all these shortcuts because the Lord just, just isn't, you know, one of the things I think we don't talk about enough about God is His patience and what that actually means. When the Bible says God is patient, you need to interpret that in your own mind and say that means God is slow, right? And we're in this microwave society and we're like, I prayed and asked God, I prayed for a whole week and it didn't happen. Some of you, I've, I, prayed for, I prayed for 10 years like Abram and Sarai and, and nothing. Now it's time for my plan. And that is, that is doubt, that is not faith. And that ends up in terrible places. Many people believe the descendants of Isaac and this, and this son who, who comes through, through Hagar, Ishmael, many people believe that the, the Arabs come from Ishmael. They certainly claim him as their spiritual father, Ishmael. And the Jews, of course, claim Isaac because they're descended from him. And there has been war and fighting for literally thousands and thousands of years because of this decision that Sarah and Abraham make right here because they didn't have enough faith to wait on God. And that is one of the hardest things to do. God tells you to run. That's a lot easier than God saying, just sit right there and wait. And then you don't hear from Him for 10 years. And so they just jump ahead with their own plan. Doubt is dangerous when it takes God out of the equation. That's kind of a good way of summarizing what happened in their life. Now, the encouraging thing is Abraham is called the father of faith. And he's, he's praised in Hebrews 11 for his faith. The encouraging thing is it, it wasn't like that the whole way. And sometimes we, we have faith in God and then we have this time of doubt and maybe even we turn away from God. But where's God when we doubt? He's still there and, and waiting for us to turn around. God also said to Abraham, as far as Sarah, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarah. Her name will be Sarah. Her name will be Sarah. We need to understand that God is not distant in our doubts. That name change thing went from, you need to call her Sarah because she's going to be a mother of many. It was like putting a plural on their names. Um, A little, anyway, I won't get into the Hebrew, but it was basically, you're not going to be just Sarai, singular. You're going to be Sarah, a mom of many. And you're not going to be Abram, singular. You're going to be Abraham, a father of many. And, and we need to recognize that when we doubt, it's not that God has left us. It, it's that we've just, I had someone tell me this years and years ago. They said, you know, I, I turned my back on God. And, well, no, I didn't, he didn't say that. He said, you know what, there was a time in my life that was incredibly dark, and I didn't know where God was, and it just seemed everything was so dark. And I realized that it was dark because I was standing in God's shadow. I had turned my back on him. And all I had to do was turn around, and he was right there. You know, God is not distant in your doubts. 
Um, this is uh, what God says. After they do the whole Hagar, you know, Abram, you know, basically commits adultery, sleeps with her, um, has a child that way. He, this is what God says later. He says, I will bless her, talking about Sarah now. He says, I'm going to bless Sarah and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. So this is the promise in chapter 17. This is like 14 years after chapter 15 when Abraham and Sarah decided to kind of do it on their own. And if I was Abraham, I would have said, you know what, God? That would have been nice to know 15 years ago. If you would have just said that it wasn't just me, that it was also going to be Sarah that, that I'd have a child through, that would have like eliminated a lot of grief that has happened over the last 15 years. You know, here's the thing. If, if you had all the information out there, you wouldn't need any faith. God is not just interested in you checking boxes and jumping through hoops and doing the right thing. God wants you to have a relationship with Him. And relationships are built on trust. And He wants you to understand and realize that you can trust Him. And the only way we trust God is when we don't understand. Right? If I understand everything that's going to go on and how it's going to go on, I don't need to trust God because I know. And it makes sense to me, and I'm just going to do my thing, and lo and behold, it just happened to be the same thing God's doing. But it's when we don't understand, and when we say, God, I don't, I don't, your way doesn't seem to be working, and I don't like your way, and I don't understand your way, and then we do it anyway, that shows trust in God, and that is faith that God values and loves, and that makes us better. Um, Doubt is dangerous when it takes God out of the equation. We need to understand God is not distant in our doubts. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? I do not recommend laughing at God. Like, I'm going to rescue you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to save that marriage. <laughs> you met my other half? You know, but... But he laughs at God, and, and what's God's response? Strikes him with leprosy, makes him cripple in one leg. That'll teach you to laugh at me. You know, God is not this meanie up in heaven just waiting. To, he loves us, and when we have pain and difficulty in our lives, it is for a purpose to make us better or to make someone else better. And, and so his response, God said, yes. But your wife Sarah, you know, yes, I know you're laughing, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son even though you don't believe it. And you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. I mean, he just repeats himself over and over. He says, I said it before, I'll say it again, it will be Sarah. I'll even tell you that what you're going to name him, and he will be born, and it will be in one year exactly, and, and all of that. And uh, so faith is not the absence of doubt, but the means to push through doubt. So faith and doubt have a relationship 
like courage and fear, right? If someone has no fear, they cannot be courageous, right? If you're in a military situation and your buddy just got shot, you know, 100 yards ahead and, uh, and you run after him, you pick him up, you put him on your shoulders and there's enemy fire at you and you run back and that entire time you had absolutely zero fear, you were not courageous. You were crazy. <laughs> you were nuts. You were dumb. But if you have fear and you go and do that anyway, that's what courage is. And doubt and faith are the same way. If you never have any doubts, wow, what a beautiful fall day to be in church. I'm so glad we have roofs that don't leak. All right, so for those online who might not be able to hear it, it is pouring <laughs> right now. So um, faith is not the absence of doubt. It, it's the means to pursue it. So that doubt in your life, that, that, that can make your faith stronger. In fact, I listened to a woman speak at the suicide prevention um, walk that was this last Friday, two days ago, Friday night, and she's from our church, and she sh shared her story a little bit before, how she came to the Lord, and God just changed things in her life, and she was sober, and, and got things on track, and she got baptized, and all this, all this good stuff happening in her life, and then bad things happened in her life, and she began to doubt, and, and then she went to her old coping mechanisms and went back into addiction and was in addiction for a couple years. But then, you know, came out of that again and came back to God and, and, and trusted Him again. And I'm telling you, her faith, she'll tell you, her faith is way stronger now. After that period of doubt, after that turning away, it's way stronger now than it ever was before. And that's not saying you should doubt and intentionally do sinful things and pay huge consequences and tolls for that. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, if you're doubting here today, if you're just not sure, if you're just like, oh, you need to realize that God can use that doubt to make your faith even stronger. And so how, how does that happen? How do we do that? And I think one of the things is to recognize that doubt is not a time to panic. It's a time to process. And that's what I was doing on that video at the beginning. That's what I did in my early 20s is I'm like, really? There's 8 billion now almost, but there's like less than 5 billion then. 5 billion people on earth? And I just so happened to grow up with a mom and a dad that taught me the truth, when most people on earth would say that they weren't teaching me the truth, statistically, I probably wasn't taught the truth. And, I, and it just, I, I had these doubts in my mind. And, and it led me not to panic and be like, oh my goodness, my mom and dad are liars. I should, no, but to, to process. Say, okay, what, what, are, what is driving my doubt? What are the other options? You know, sometimes people reject Christianity not realizing that by rejecting Christianity, you have to choose something else. There are intellectual problems with Christianity. There are emotional hang-ups with Christianity that are hard to get over. The problem is you got to accept something else, which I've found have even bigger intellectual problems and even more emotional hang-ups. If you investigate it thoroughly, 
And so don't let your doubts just derail you. Make it a time where you start processing and thinking through what, what, what you believe and why and, and, and asking questions. And that was something that I did wrong that I'd encourage you to do, and that is to talk to other people about your doubts. And this is where it ends in Hebrews 11. Well, this is talking about faith in Hebrews 11 again. Now, faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. Why is Hebrews 11 seem like such a different story than Genesis 12 through 17, right? Hebrews 11 is Abraham and Sarah had great faith. They trusted God. Awesome things happened, the end. Whereas Genesis 12 through 17 are like, Abraham believed God, and then he didn't believe God, and he lied about his wife. And then he did believe God, and, it was, and then he didn't believe God, and he had sex with this woman he wasn't married to. And then he did believe God. And then, like, why is there such a difference? And I think the difference is Hebrews 11 is the after. Genesis 12 through 17 is the during. And there's some of you here, and you're mostly in an after part of your faith. It's been challenged, and you've seen God come through over and over again. If you're mostly in an after, you're older than me, okay? <laughs> Just, you know, but... but a lot of us here, even, even some in their 80s, you're in a during phase of your life. 90s, you're in a during phase. And you, you, you don't see the end of the story. I guarantee you 2,000 years from now in heaven, you'll look back and like, oh, I had faith. God was good. Great ending to the story. But in the during, you, you don't know that. You don't feel that. You don't see that. And this is where it's so important to hold on to God and to trust Him. Um, one of the antidotes to doubt is other people. Um, I think this is a great thing to say. I need you to pray and believe for me. I've seen people go through that, godly people, who are just in the midst of so much pain and agony or so much turmoil and chaos in their life. They're like, I, I, I want to believe but I just, can you believe for me? Can you pray on my behalf? There's two men who, one man sometimes comes to this church, the other comes every week. We'll call them Joe and John. That's not their names. Joe invited John to come to church, and he didn't know Christ. And he came to church, and over a series of events that involved a lot of pain, he came to make Jesus his for forgiver and, and, and his Lord and master. And so uh, Joe, the inviter, and John started coming to church with Joe, and it was great because Joe had faith that John didn't have, and then John got that faith. Well, they started coming together, and then Joe fell away, and Joe started going through some difficult things, and he stopped coming to church, and John started inviting Joe to church and pestering him and maybe even believing for him. I don't know. And it's amazing how often that happens because you, they may need your faith now and you may need their faith later. And, and that's why God put us together here. That's why Jesus didn't start a military organization, a political organization. He didn't start a hospital or a food pantry. He started the church so that we could help each other in that way. If you're not part of a small group, um, 
Do we have sign-ups anymore? I don't know if we do, but you can go to the back and talk to someone really tall. Um, Joel, yeah. I think Joel's got a half inch on you, Cole. I don't know. Anyway, and be a, join a small group Wednesday night. Uh, Pastor Brett's got a small group here. That's an easy one to come to, 615. Um, you can be a part of that. We are starting a small group called Starting Point. Uh, in a couple weeks. And so if you're online, actually, you can uh, click on a little thing in the chat right now or go to bridgewater.church slash starting point, I think, and, um, and, and be a part of that online. Um, we, we need each other. It, it was so encouraging to me last Sunday, uh, open house, just looking outside and seeing so many of you staying and talking to each other. And some of you even staying and talking to people that you didn't necessarily know. Because that's what we got to do. I mean, the little speech I give, that's, that's fine. The music is great. But, but the best thing about church is getting to know other people who maybe can pray and believe for you when you can't. Or maybe you can pray and believe for them when they can't. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just uh, thank you um, for your love for us. I thank you for giving us your word and giving us these examples that are just real life examples. You know, they're, they're, they're not this, this perfect um, fairy tale kind of stories. And God, I just, I just thank you that, I thank you that Abraham struggled so that we can know that it's okay that we can struggle and yet we could still be called a man or a woman of faith. God, just help us to trust you, especially when we don't understand. Lord, I know there's people in this auditorium right now, those listening online, and they're going through a divorce. Their children are running from you and struggling with addiction or maybe even self-harm and suicide. God, there's people who themselves are, maybe they're thinking right now, man, I'm just so tired. I just want to end it all. Lord, there's, there's all sorts of things. Financially, there's people just struggling and saying, God, why is it so hard? And Lord, I just ask that you would just help them to run to you in their doubt and to run to others and that we would run to them. God, open our eyes to those who need our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.